going to be opening up our text in Colossians, uh, Colossians verse, uh, three, uh, chapter 3. Um, we're going to start with verse 12, and we're going to read through 17. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. It's this. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion. Somebody say compassion. Put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Somebody say forgiving. Forgiving one another, if anyone has grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts. And be thankful, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So today, as we continue on in our series, Mixtapes and Love Letters, I want to speak to you on the topic of my apologies. My apologies. As we deal with what it looks like to forgive the people around us and how to forgive ourselves. Will you pray with me just one more time? Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for every single person that's in this room right now. Father, I thank you that, that I may not know every single story, I may not know every single background, but you do. So, Father, right now, I thank you that as I preach this, this message today, that you're touching lives, that you're healing hearts, that you're mending broken people, Father. Lord, I pray I get rid of any anxiety, any fear that would hinder me from preaching your word. And, Father, I thank you that not one life in this room leaves the same way that they came in. But I pray that wisdom, revelation, and knowledge will take place in their minds and in their hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. So recently, um, my wife and I, we were on, um, we went to this trip to Seattle, the Teen Church Conference, as Pastor Erica and um, Rachel mentioned earlier. And um, so my, if you guys know my baby girl, she was up here worshiping um, this morning. She loves, like, she loves worship. Like, she it's so sweet. We're at this conference, and we have a video of her. She's just lifting up her hands and worshiping. It just makes me want to cry. But anyways, we'll talk about that another time. But anyway, so we were in the car with some of our friends in, uh, at Team Church Conference, and, and uh, they, have two, they have three daughters, but two of the daughters were with us at the time as well. And so we were all in the van together. And so in the back, far, the, the back seat was Sylvie in her car seat, and then a girl named Zoe, and then Abby. And so we've been in the stage. My, she's almost two years old. So we're, like, in the stage of, like, she's talking a lot more. She's, um, they call it the terrible twos, but we're praying against that in the name of Jesus. It's going to be the blessed twos. Amen. And so we're in this stage of life where she's like starting to know things and she's picking up on mannerisms and she's picking up on, on uh, the way that people interact and do different things. And so we were in the, in the backseat of the car and we've been having the teacher to apologize a lot. Like we're like, okay, you got to say sorry. You did something wrong. So you have to say sorry. And she's quite not there yet. She's not there yet, but we're, we're still working on it. But we were in the back seat. She, they were in the back seat, and I was in the front. And then Caitlin and our, our Pastor Sarah were sitting right in front of them. And all of a sudden, I hear Zoe. She, she's like nine years old. She, Zoe's like, she hit me. Sylvie, Sylvie hit me. And I'm like, well, first of all, you're nine. And she's two. So there's a problem there. But we'll, we'll, we'll address that problem later. But she's like, she hit me. And so all of a sudden, like my wife, if you know my wife, she's, like a, she's a school teacher. So she's very, like, on it. Like, she's like, this, this, this. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Like, she just is on it. And so she's like, oh, this is the moment. Like, the mother just rose up in her. And she was like, oh, Sylvie, we, we don't do that. Sylvie, we, we, do not, we do not hit. 
we did, Sylvie, we did not hit. And I'm just in the front seat. I'm like, I'm kind of laughing because it's, it's kind of funny. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, yes, we don't hit. And she was like, Sylvie, what do you say? Sylvie, what do you say? You, you, you got to say, I'm sorry. You apologize. And so it's, it's, it's funny because I was, as I was preparing for this message about forgiveness, and a lot of times, like, we're in the relationship series. So this is going to hit all kinds of ways. We're going to hit parenting and forgiveness. We're going to hit uh, uh, forgiving your spouse. We're going to hit forgiving your friends. We're going to hit forgiving your family. And so I thought about Sylvie in this moment. And like, man, like we're teaching her at a young age how to apologize, but also how to forgive. And I started thinking about this message. And this brings me to my first point. Everybody shout number one. You can only forgive what you are willing to confront. You can only forgive what you are willing to confront. Colossians 3, 12 through 17, I'll read the first part of it. It says this, therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. And I started thinking about Sylvie. And I'm like, man, I need to get a hold of that. Because just as I'm teaching her to confront and forgive others and apologize, there are areas in my life that I need to confront and that I need to ask for forgiveness and apologize for. And so a lot of times when we're dealing with relationships, a lot of times we, we, we feel like there, we, we kind of put things underneath the surface. And this has really brought up, this whole series for me has brought up all kinds of emotions. Like I've been like, Lord, like why are we talking about that right now? Why am I talking about that story? Why am I talking about this? Because it's bringing up so much stuff in me because I've suppressed it for so long. And you see, a lot of us in this room, we're not willing to confront something that happened to us as, as a child. We're not willing to confront things that happened in our adulthood. We're not willing to confront certain issues. But in order to forgive, we have to first face it and we have to confront it. We have to confront the issue. And see, a lot of us, we come into church and we, and we want to sit and we want to hide those things that are inside of us. But God's like, no, 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 let's pull that out. Let's confront that issue. Why? Because when you confront something, that's when you can really forgive. And I want to share this story. I shared this a couple weeks ago, and I wasn't going to share it, but I'm like, man, like, why do, I keep, why do I keep coming back to this story? Why do I keep coming back to this? And so I shared a few weeks ago that I was, um, at 12 years old, I was molested by a man. And uh, I, I hit some, like, low moments in my life. I was just like, it was up and down. And 17, I, I didn't tell anybody until I was 17 years old. And I kind of just left it, like, hidden. And it was, I suppressed it for so long. And so at 17, I shared the story. 17 to 21, it was just like... I didn't know what was happening in my life. I was just going back and forth. It was just, it was hard. I was still in church. I was planted. I was rooted. I was just learning so much. And then at 21 years old, I went to this place called Pure Life Ministries. And it's out in Kentucky. And I was like, I have to, I have to confront this issue. I have to confront this. I have to find forgiveness. Because for me, it was hard for me to forgive. It was hard for me to forgive someone that had harmed me. And it was especially hard because the person that had harmed me, he actually died years before this. And I was like, man, like how, how do I know, I know the face-to-face -face value of forgiveness. I know what that looks like. Like with my spouse, like, babe, I'm so sorry. Like, will you forgive me for doing this? Will you forgive me for doing that? But I had never seen somebody forgive somebody that was gone. I always thought, man, I need to go see this person face-to-face. -face. I need to say, listen, I've forgiven you. I'm moving forward. I'm done with this part of my life. I always saw that, but I never saw forgiveness in the sense of, like, how do I actually forgive somebody that's gone? And so I faced this, I faced this issue in my life, in this point of life when I was 21. I was like, okay, in order to forgive, I have to really confront and I have to face this issue. I really have to. So I went away, and I was like, okay, Lord, it's just me and you. It's just me and you. 
I'm going to confront this issue right here, right now. For seven months, I prayed, I fasted, I did all that I could, I did all that I knew how to do. And so every single day, I would consistently seek God. I would consistently go to him, and I would, I would cry out, say, Lord, like, help me to forgive. Show me how to forgive. Teach me how to forgive. Teach me how to confront this issue. Every single day. And I listen, love this definition because this is the definition of forgive. It is the action or process. It's a process. The action or process of forgiving or being forgiven. It's a process. And you see, a lot of times we want to just do this face-to-face value of forgiveness and say, I forgive you. I'm done. It's over with. But we don't want to walk out the process that God has for us. And so right now, as I'm preaching and I'm standing up here, this very moment, over this series, I've been going through a process of forgiveness. I've been going through a process of God. Okay, I'm back at this again. How do you show me? Teach me how to forgive. Teach me how to go deeper. Teach me how to confront these issues. And so just like we're teaching our baby girl how to confront issues, we have to confront the issue. And I don't know what the issue is for you in your life. I don't know what's happening in your, in, in your, in your area. I don't know what's happening in your relationship. I don't know what's happening with your family. But I all know that we have dealt with some kind of hurt in life. We all have to forgive at some point or another. So I love that. And it says in, in, in verse 13, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. And theologian Lewis Smith says this, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner was you. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner was you. I read that and I was like, whoa, that was me. A lot of us in this room, we're walking around with so much wounds, wounds and hurt and baggage, and we're bringing a prison to our own selves because we're not allowing forgiveness to come into our hearts. We're not allowing Jesus to say, hey, Lord, uproot this thing. Teach me how to forgive. Teach me how to confront this issue. I no longer want to be a prisoner to unforgiveness. I want to learn how to forgive. I want to show me how to forgive. Teach me how to forgive. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner was you. So a lot of us were walking around with so much baggage, walking around with so many wounds and so, many, so much hurt that we haven't allowed Jesus to really come in and say, Lord, come on, take this baggage. Take this hurt. Take this insecurity. Take this depression. Take this shame. Take this doubt. Take this fear. Take everything that I've been dealing with in my life and show me how to confront it and move on because I no longer want to be a prisoner to what I've been held back and bound for so long. And my question is to you, this is my question, as I'm, as I'm speaking these words and preaching this message, this is my question, and I want you to write this down, is this, what are you willing to confront so you can be healed? What are you willing to confront so that you can be healed? A lot of us in this room are walking around with wounds that we haven't allowed Jesus to touch. We haven't allowed him to touch those wounds. So my question is, what are you willing to confront so that you can be healed? We're going to go to Genesis 45, verse 1 through 5, 14 and 15, to give some context to the story. So this is the story about Joseph. And I started just going through the Bible, and um, a close friend of mine pointed out Joseph and his brothers and forgiveness. So we're looking at now the forgiveness of your family. 
and what that looks like. And so to give some context to this story, so Joseph, he, was, he, had, he basically had 12 bro- uh, 11 brothers and one sister. So there was 12 of them, 13 total. And so Jacob, which is Joseph's dad, he loved Joseph the most. Like he, he, he let Joseph do everything that he wanted to do. And so there's 12 siblings, and so they grew up with Joseph doing whatever he wanted to do. Basically, he was right by his dad's side all the time. When, when the kids were out in the field, Joseph was right by his dad in the house. So there was jealousy and resentment that started to build up. And so when, when Joseph was 17, his brothers, they had plotted against him, and they wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him when he was 17. But one of his brothers was like, no, 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 let's not kill him. Let's sell him to Pharaoh as a slave. And so what they did, they pretended like they killed him, and they sold him as a slave to Pharaoh. And so for years and years and years, he was in Egypt. He was imprisoned, and he was a slave. So imagine going from a house where you could do anything that you wanted to do, and then being imprisoned and being a slave and having to, to listen to Pharaoh's orders. And so he went to Egypt. He was imprisoned and enslaved for so many years. And so it was like, it was like 20, 21 years, about 21 years. And he was in slavery in Egypt. And so finally, there's, there's a great famine that hits him. Okay, so for seven years, uh, Pharaoh has this dream. And then he goes to Joseph and he wants him to interpret this dream. And so he goes to Joseph and is like, hey, can you interpret this dream? And Joseph's like, well, we're about to have a famine, but there's going to be seven years of, of, of plenty to eat. So we need to store up those things. And so he listens to him. And then from that point, Pharaoh makes Joseph his governor. And so the famine finally hits. It strikes all over. And so where his brothers were, there was a famine. They didn't know to store up food. And so in this time, this is 17 to 21 years later, they finally meet up with Joseph and they go to Egypt. They say, well, Egypt has plenty of food to eat. And so all of his brothers, because they're in a famine, they go to Egypt. And so this is what it says in Genesis 45, 1 through 5 and 14 through 15. It says, Joseph could no longer keep his composure. So his, his brothers just automatically, they show up to Egypt. And they go to Pharaoh first and then Pharaoh takes them to his governor, which is Joseph. Joseph could no longer keep his composure in front of all his attendants. So he called out, send everyone away. No one was with him when he revealed his identity to his brothers. So at this point, his brothers didn't even know that that was Joseph because he had been gone for so long. So he revealed his identity to his brothers, verse 2. But he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and also Pharaoh's household heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But they could not answer him because they were terrified in his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, please come near me. And they came near. I am Joseph, your brother, he said, the one you sold into Egypt. And so get this. Joseph had an opportunity to either stay hurt or to forgive. To stay hurt or to forgive. I am Joseph, your brother, he said, the one you sold into Egypt. And now don't be grieved or angry with yourselves, he says. For selling me here, because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. Verse 14. Then Joseph threw his arms around his brother. Now, I don't know. See, listen, I have, I have two siblings, an older brother, an older sister. And I don't know if my sister would have sold me to slavery. I don't know if I would be able to forgive her, okay? I don't know if I'd be able to make it through. Like, just listen. Like, if you're, imagine your sibling selling you to slavery, for years, and not even looking back, not wondering where he was, not wondering if he was okay. They were so jealous, and they resented him, and they were like, bye, see you later. They sold him to slavery, and he's like, man. And so he, he, they come here. They, they come literally, like, fearful. Because at that moment, Joseph had an opportunity 
to either stay hurt or to forgive. And so they came to him like saying, man, 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 well, we're, so, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. Like, and they, they, didn't, they didn't think that they were going to give him, that Joseph was going to even give them food or do any of that. And watch this. This is what Joseph does. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin wept on his shoulder. Joseph kissed each of his brothers. I wouldn't be kissing myself. I would not be. I would not. I'd be like, I'll forget you. Like, forget you. Yeah, I don't know about that forgive and forget mess. I'm not forgetting nothing. I'm remembering everything. So he said, Joseph kissed each of his brothers as he wept. And afterward, his brothers talked with him. So Joseph could have held on to the hurt from his brothers, selling him as a slave to Pharaoh. And I love, I love this quote by Martin Luther King Jr. says this, we must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. He who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. There is some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. When we discover this, we are less prone to hate our enemies. He who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. So you can't sit here and tell me that if I don't forgive, I can still choose to love. Because forgiveness is a result of love. When we forgive, we choose to love. And when we love, we choose to forgive. We will never be forgiven unless we ourselves forgive. I love it in the, in the scriptures it says, forgive 70 times 7. I started thinking about that. That's over and over and over and over. Even if the person still hurts you, over and over and over and over. We are called to what? Forgive. Somebody shout forgive. We are called to forgive. And so I love this, script, this, this, this story about Joseph because to me there, there's a lot of baggage in here that you might be having with your family. But you don't want to talk about it. You want to come to family dinner and act like everything's okay. But deep down inside you need to forgive. That could be your mom, that could be your dad in the way they treated you, that could be your sister in the way that they treated you. You can be jealous of something. I don't know what it is. I don't know your story. But I know in order to move on and to be all that God has called you to be and to walk in love, we have to forgive. Love and forgiveness go hand in hand. And so I love that story, how Joseph chose to forgive his family. In spite, he was gone for years, gone for years, but he chose to forgive his family. Everybody shout with me, number three. This is my last and final point. You can only heal if you are willing to forgive. You can only heal that which you are willing to forgive. Genesis 45, 14 and 15 says this, Then Joseph threw his arms around his brothers, Benjamin, and wept. And Benjamin wept on his shoulder. Joseph kissed each of his brothers as he wept. And afterward, his brothers talked with him. And you see, healing in my, my own story was only able to happen once I chose to forgive. Healing can only take place once you choose to forgive. A lot of us are so wounded and we're so hurt. But we can only heal from that hurt if we choose to forgive. The moment that I found healing when I was talking to God about my past wasn't when I was just, when I just talked to Jesus about it. Like a lot of us, we want to just talk about it. And that's great. 
It's good to talk to Jesus about your problems. It's good to talk to Jesus about the things that you're going through. But only healing happened in my mind and in my heart when I said, whoa, I'm going to choose to forgive that man that wronged me. I'm going to choose to walk free of that. And you see, a lot of us in this room, you're not even forgiving yourself for what you did. You're holding on to it. It's not just about forgiving others. But a lot of us are holding on to baggage that we have self-inflicted and put upon us. And we're like, man, like, I want to forgive this person. I want to forgive this. I want to forgive that. But you're still thinking about all the things, the messed up things that you did. But we have to first forgive ourselves as well. It's not just about forgiving your spouse. It's not just about forgiving your family. It's not just about forgiving your friends. But it's about forgiving yourself. I love this quote on forgiveness as well. Forgiveness is not always easy. At times it feels more painful than the wound we suffered. To forgive the one that inflicted it. And yet, there is no peace without forgiveness. There's no love without forgiveness. There's no peace without forgiveness. You see, wounds and scars are different. God was showing me this as I was preparing for this message. Wounds and scars are different. You see, a wound is a representation of something that is still there. So if I'm wounded, just in the natural, if I'm wounded, if, if I need a cast on my leg, if I need a cast on my arm, whatever it may be, if I'm wounded, you can see that because there's healing that needs to take place. But if I'm scarred, you cannot see that as big as your wound. And so wounds and scars are different. A wound is a, rep- a representation of something that is still there. A scar is there to show you that it happened, but there was healing there. You see, it's okay to have scars. It's okay to walk into church with scars, but scars and wounds are totally different. I'm going have the worship team come up. Scars and wounds are totally different. Forgiveness changes the disposition of your heart and allows us to see once where there was a wound, now there was just a scar. Let me say that again. Forgiveness changes the disposition of your heart and allows us to see once where there was a wound, now there's just a scar. You see, when we're wounded and we don't find healing, we will wound people that are around us. If we're constantly being wounded, we'll wound people that are around us. Why? Because that's all we know. If you hurt, hurt people, hurt people. And so as the church, our job is to come in here to find healing. Whatever that may be. That may be physical healing. That may be emotional healing. That may be baggage that you've, you've been facing over your life. Our job when you come into here is to find healing and say, Lord, I'm here right now. Teach me how to confront so that I can forgive. Teach me. You can only heal if you are willing to forgive. I want to be sensitive to the spirit right now because as I was worshiping, I just felt that a lot of people in this room, you're carrying so much baggage. And my job as a pastor and a leader is that when you come into this place, that you can come in this place fully being free. And that when you leave this place, 
you leave this place with a greater capacity and a greater understanding of who Jesus is in your life. And so as I was worshiping, I was like, man, there's expectation in this room. And sometimes I sense it and sometimes I don't. But my job as a pastor and as a leader of this house is to steward that well. And so I don't know what you're carrying. I don't know what happened to you as a child. I don't know what happened to you this week. I don't know what happened to you in your marriage. I don't know what kind of baggage you're carrying right now. But the good thing about it is the Holy Spirit does. And in this moment, when we're here, where there's an atmosphere of expectation, that's where miracles can happen. When there's an atmosphere of expectation, that's where you can find healing. Where there's an atmosphere of expectation, that's where you can find joy, where you can find rest, where you can find peace, where you can find everything that you need. It's in this atmosphere. And so I want to steward this atmosphere well. And I want us to all stand up in this moment because I don't know, like I said, I don't know what you're maybe facing right now. But I've been so moved lately. When I came back from this conference, I'm like, man, I want every individual that comes to this downtown campus to walk out living their full purpose and their plan that God has for them. And I don't want us to be held back by the wounds. I don't want us to be held back by the insecurities. I don't want us to be held back by the fear that haunts us. I don't want us to be held back. I want us to push on and push through and say with God and community, I can fight this. With everyone that's around me, I can stand shoulder to shoulder. I am with you through everything. And so we're going to worship just for a little bit longer. Because there's expectation in this atmosphere. And I don't know if you're believing for healing in your marriage. I don't know if you're believing for healing in your body. I don't know what you're believing for, but in this moment, God is here. He's present to heal. He's present to save. He's present to deliver. He's present to set everything that you're dealing with, to set you free. I love the scripture, who the Son sets free is free indeed. So you can walk out of these doors no longer being a prisoner to your shame, no longer being a prisoner to your fear, no longer being a prisoner to everything that held you captive.